Welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm chapter 22, and I'll read verses 1 and 2 for us now, as we prepare to hear from Dale South, as he helps us learn how to recover from God's silence. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Psalm 22 is classified as a lament psalm. It's actually a song and it's credited to King David who wrote it during this time when he was suffering unjustly and his pleading to God seemed to be going unanswered. Yet David's feelings of being forsaken by God's silence were eventually replaced by testimony and praise after God rescued him. Now, here here at the chapel, we sincerely try to meet people wherever they are. And then once we meet people where they are, we try to help one another take the next step in growing into the women and men God created us to become. You know, we, we, we live in a world where there's a lot of kind of Disneyfication of things here where, you, you know, we were told you can become anything you want to become. But why would we settle for being what we want to become when we can become who God created us to become? You see, that's the next steps that we want to help one another take. And as a young Christian, I heard a phrase that, that spoke to me and stuck with me. Very simple, kind of little cliche. It says, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. That's just as true for me today at 63 as it was when I began to follow Jesus at 16. Because God loves us so much, he is committed to conforming your life and my life to the likeness of his son Jesus if we will trust him to do that. Now, wherever we may happen to be in our relationship with God this morning, I believe Psalm 22 has some next steps, and I'll try to highlight some of those for each one of us. But let's see how Psalm 22 gets us from suffering silence to this praise-filled proclamation at the end of the psalm. It starts off, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David felt forsaken and abandoned by the Lord. He was in big trouble. He knew that there was absolutely no one who could help him but God. And yet it seemed from all appearances that God just didn't want to show up. David basically says, this is what I'm experiencing right now. And yet this is who I've known you to be. And the two just are not lining up but I'm about to die if you don't do something to save me. And in the midst of God's silence, feeling like God was a million miles away at the time he needed him the most, the psalmist relied on what he had learned and on what he had experienced about God in the past. Psalm 22 teaches us that the cure of recovering from God's silence is trusting that God will be true to what he has already spoken. 
This is a recurring theme in our Recover series. We, we heard something similar in recovering from fear, recovering from grumbling, recovering from sickness, recovering from exhaustion. We have to keep going back to what we know about God in the past and holding on to that. Joseph Bailey was a uh, head of two major Christian publishing companies, and he and his wife lost three out of their seven children to death at different occasions, different times. One 18 days old after a surgery, another, I believe it was leukemia at five years old, and then another 18-year-old they lost by an accident. After experiencing such horrific anguish, Bailey says, don't forget in the darkness what you've learned in the light. See, Psalm 22 is an example of King David remembering in the darkness what he'd already learned in the light. He says, I cry and you don't answer, darkness. Yet you are holy and enthroned on the praises of Israel, light. People despise and mock me, darkness. Yet you are he who took me from the womb and and made me trust you at my mother's breast, light. See, remembering what we have learned in the light is our very best hope of recovering from God's silence in the darkness. This is one of the reasons that we are committed to getting people into God's word so that God's word can get into people so that we know what he has already spoken when we go through those times of silence. In this very first verse, David says, my God, my God. Then in verse 2, in verse 10, he repeats, my God. The language here emphasizes King David's personal relationship with God. There's a relationship that says, you are mine and I am yours. There's a mutual belonging to one another. And I mentioned that I believe There is a next step of growth for every one of us who God has appointed to be here today or to be watching online. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, a great next step for you would be to ask yourself, if Jesus is who he says he is, and if he has done what the Bible says that he did, why on earth have I not given my life to him? There are only a few reasons that I can think of that people don't choose to follow Jesus. One is that they don't have enough information about Jesus and what it means to follow him. So if that's your case, you can investigate and get some more information. Another is that they have intellectual questions or stumbling blocks to trusting Jesus. And they just need to get those questions answered to be able to overcome their doubts. And another could be that they know there's something in their life that is not pleasing to God, and they would have to give that up in order to follow Jesus. Whatever might be impeding you from giving your life to Jesus, I pray that you will take a next step toward a personal relationship with God this morning so that you can honestly say, my God, my God, you are mine, and I am yours. Now, some of you know that a near-fatal auto crash left me with a concussion, a subdural brain bleed, and torn dissected carotid arteries on each side. And during that time, uh, I was in the hospital. I knew that I might not survive, and I 
was pleased to know that I honestly had peace, that I was okay whether I lived or whether I died. I had a peace. But what caused me great anguish was a sense that even though God had kept me from dying, he seemed really, really far away from me. Whenever I went to sleep, I'd have these weird recurring dreams that would wake me up several times an hour. And I asked the Lord to take the dreams away, but they just kept coming back. I, I couldn't read at the time. My head hurt. My eyes were sensitive to light. So I would listen to the Bible on the Bible app, and yet nothing seemed to speak to me. Even after I was released from the hospital and I got back home, I was physically alive, but I was spiritually empty. I wasn't able to hear anything from God. I didn't have joy. And one time in the middle of the night, I awoke from one of those crazy dreams. And I, I heard a siren sound out of my right ear and music out of my left ear. And of course... There was no siren. There was no music. I wondered if I was going insane. And then around 4.30 in the morning, I was overwhelmed by the sense of God's presence. Scripture passages about his love and about his care uh, just flooded into my mind. And I was filled with the joy of the Lord. He had heard the cry of this afflicted one. And this afflicted one was finally able to hear him. I only had a few weeks of crying out to God and feeling abandoned, but I tell you, it felt like years. And I'd begun to wonder if I'd ever hear him speak to me again. And, and, and when I did sense his nearness, I, I absolutely cried with joy. Now, as we get back to Psalm 22 and verses 11 to 21, the psalmist continues with the individual suffering and cries for rescue. But then in the middle of verse 21, something kind of remarkable happens here. After crying out for God to save him, we suddenly hear the sufferer exclaim, You have rescued me. Immediately, there, there was a movement now from individual suffering and lament to testimony and praise in the congregation. I think there's a principle here that's probably throughout Scripture, but it's an important one, and that is faith must be personal so that we can say, my God, my God, I am yours and you are mine, but faith must never be private. When we attach ourselves to Jesus, saying, my Lord, my God, in personal relationship, the Holy Spirit enters our lives, and he automatically attaches us to Christ's church, this body of made up of all true believers of all time, all over, and then that same Holy Spirit leads you and me to attach ourselves to a local congregation, an assembly of Christ's church, where we receive an extended family of other believers who are followers of Jesus, having different gifts and different skills and different viewpoints than we have. And together we come around and we praise God together for he has become not just my God, my God, but he has become our God together as one. And as we worship together in the congregation, the pronouns change. The pronouns move from I and me to we 
in him. We see that when King David was rescued from God's silence, the very first thing that he mentions was going to the congregation. I'm going to go to the congregation. I'm going to tell his story. I'm going to praise God with other people. Now, thankfully, the Lord has allowed us to stay connected here at the chapel, inside, outside, online, right? Uh, We've been able to have in-person worship services, online uh, worship services throughout the pandemic. And if it would endanger your physical health, for those of you who are watching online, if it would not endanger your physical health, Another step is we're looking at what these next steps of growth toward recovery from silence might look like. A next step for those who haven't made it back yet, if it wouldn't endanger their health, is to come on back in the congregation in person. Join in testimony. Join in the corporate worship together. Now, admittedly, we can't have everyone get up here on a Sunday morning with a microphone and every single individual tell his or her story about God's faithfulness. But that's why smaller groups are so important here at the chapel. That's why I love my job as a small groups pastor. In in groups, we get to share one another's struggles. We get to hear one another's stories about God's faithfulness. We get to help one another grow to think and to love and to submit like Jesus. And then when darkness comes, and, and darkness inevitably comes, we're able to remind one another of what we have learned in the light. See, if you've already entered a personal relationship with Jesus, and if you're committed to praising God in the congregation, but you're not yet engaged in a smaller group, your next step may be to get in a group when we kick them off again in September, to commit to this community aspect of supporting with one another and encouraging one another, serving with one another. There's yet one more important movement in Psalm 22 as we move from the individual to the congregation and beyond. The psalm begins with this righteous individual feeling forsaken by God and crying out, and then God rescues him. And so we see that that God did have an interest in that individual, but the individual was not God's ultimate mission. Say that that with me. We're going to work toward a big idea here. It's not about me. It's not about me. This individual then goes to the congregation where the spotlight is pointed back to God with testimonies and with praise. But then in verse 27, as you look on your sheets there, we see that the congregation was not God's ultimate mission either, any more than the individual was. It says, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Say it with me. It's not about me. It's not even about we. See, King David recognized that God's mission was to be praised by all the nations. That had been God's plan from the very beginning, and it always will be his plan until people from every nation and every tribe and every tongue are standing before the Lord as one large congregation in the kingdom of God And the congregation is praising him together. The congregation is just God's stepping stone to the nations. See, David recognized that as the king of Israel, he was in submission to a greater king. Look at verse 28. 
He says, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over all the nations. David understood that his role and even the role of Israel were, were not God's ultimate concern. The kingdom of God was God's ultimate concern over all creation. So we're going we're to go through this big idea here about God's mission. It's not about me. It's not even about we. It's about God's kingdom over all creation. It's about God's kingdom over all creation. Psalm 22 is remarkable. It has more verses quoted in the New Testament than any other Old Testament psalm or book. And the New Testament uses those verses in the psalm to connect this righteous person feeling forsaken by God in Psalm 22 to Jesus on the cross. And maybe as you read through that, you say, this kind of looks like what Jesus went through on the cross. But like King David, King Jesus also cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And David wrote Psalm 22 about a thousand years before Jesus was crucified. He wrote Psalm 22 in that thousand years when crucifixion had not even been invented by the Persians until at least 500 B.C. The choir that sang this song together had no clue of what this could be talking about in God's ultimate plan for sending the Messiah. I encourage you to click on the sermon follow-up link on the chapel website where I've placed these verses, the New Testament verses, and then Psalm 14 to 18, and look at those, compare those, examine the evidence, build your faith and the trustworthiness of what God has spoken in the Bible so that when the darkness comes, you can rely on what he has already said and done. See, Jesus understands the suffering of crying out to God and getting only silence in return. However, Jesus did not just quote the first verse of Psalm 22. See, the song doesn't end with the first line. Jesus knew the entire psalm. Jesus knew that even if God remained silent throughout his agony and even if God allowed him to die, God would not remain silent forever. And Jesus understood his mission. He understood that it wasn't about him being saved from death, and it wasn't even about praising God in the congregation, and it wasn't even about Israel. It was about God's kingdom and rule over all creation. Jesus knew there would be deliverance. He knew that there would be testimonies in the congregation. He knew that there would be proclamation of the kingdom to every nation, tribe, and tongue. Because God has a mission, and God's mission has a church. And as a church, perhaps our next steps are to continue to think, Lord, how can we make disciples who make disciples? How can we start new small groups? How can we plant new churches? How can we do what you're calling us to do and to become, to see the gospel reach every nation, tongue, and tribe, so that we will be together before you, worshiping on that special day? His mission is not about me. It's not about we. It's not even about our country. It's about his kingdom over all creation. In times of dark silence, 
It's okay to honestly cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the first line of our lament. But remember, that's not the last line of the song. We need to remember the movement of the whole psalm, taking us from the individual to the congregation and ultimately to the kingdom. So in those times, we can trust that God will be true to what he's already spoken. Brothers and sisters, as you recover from silence, don't forget in the darkness what you've learned in the light about our great God's love and power and wisdom. Father, may the truth of your words dive deeply into the hearts of each one of us. May we be anxiously longing to take the next step to become the man, woman, children that you're created and calling us to be. For your glory and for the sake of the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, we are all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we are ready to help get you connected to Christ and His community. Have a blessed day. Thank you.